As babies, our bodies express an abundance of lactase, the enzyme that helps us break down lactose in milk. But as we age, most of us lose this ability, becoming lactose intolerant. Prebiotics can actually help people with lactose intolerance. The prebiotics feed very specific good bacteria that can help the people with lactose intolerance. On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, treating lactose intolerance by feeding the bacteria in your belly. I'm Robert Frederick. When we eat food, some of the nutrients benefit us directly, but some of it is processed by the bacteria in our intestines first, and then, in turn, benefits us. University of North Carolina Chapel Hill microbiologist Andrea Ascarate researches the role of microorganisms in health and disease. For more than 20 years, she has been interested in how probiotics and prebiotics work and how they keep us healthy. Probiotics are live beneficial bacteria, such as those found in yogurt, for example. Prebiotics? That was my first question. Here's our interview. So prebiotics are ingredients, are, are substances. They're not bacteria, they're not microbes. That are substances that actually feed the beneficial bacteria or the probiotics that you already have in your gut. So they're like, um, for example, could be a non-digestible fiber, a non-digestible carbohydrate, something that we as humans cannot break down, but good bacteria can actually can. So because they can break down those specific prebiotics, they grow and they increase in numbers. And when they increase in numbers, we are healthier. So it sounds like a way to modify uh, the microbiome. Mm -hmm. And you have done some research, it sounds like, that shows that you can get rid of lactose intolerance? Am I getting that? Yes. So the idea is that pure prebiotics, and at least the one that we tried is specific, is uh, galactoligosaccharides, but in its purest form, uh, can actually modify the uh, structure of the gut microbiota. So increase beneficial bacteria, and then and that can help with lactose intolerance. So when you're a baby, you're lactase, so the enzyme that actually breaks down lactose, is fully active just because your mom is feeding you lactose, so you need to be able to break it down. But when, when we grow up, supposedly, we don't need it anymore. So what we happens is that there are changes. There are changes that are not genetic, but they, they modify the expression of the gene. So we don't have that much lactase in the intestine anymore. So lactase is actually produced in the small intestine. So since there's no lactase, the lactose goes to the colon. And in the colon, if you don't have the right bacteria, it's going to be uh, metabolized. It's going to be breaking down by uh, bacteria that will actually produce gas, or it will just accumulate and it's a lot of sugar. When you have a lot of sugar, the water will stay there and that's the, the feeling of uh, bloating. And you can have cramps, you can have nausea, um, and all of sort of unpleasant things, yeah. <laughs> so you've had success with giving people, people uh, mm -hmm. prebiotics mm -hmm. and, and this happening with people who are lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So this uh, this is the the phase one trial of this prebiotic. We have also done um, animal studies. So I'm particularly interested in the um, aging population. So we have done studies with uh, mice and that we feed this, this prebiotic and actually showed very similar results in the sense that it increases the number of bifidos, the number of lactobacillus, the number of other beneficial bacteria. Um, and they also, in this, this um, old mice, it can decrease um, inflammation, for example, which is, is very exciting, something that we're doing now. So the people then, though, that have gone through this study, they report fewer of these side effects how do you know, besides them not experiencing lactose intolerant symptoms, mm -hmm. that the prebiotics are, are doing what you think they're doing? Well, we know it because not only because they say so, but also because of the microbiome studies. So we do see the numbers of bifidos going up. We do see, so we see these biomarkers, if you will, right? If you look at lactobacillus, if you look at bifidobacteria, those go up with treatment, and then they go down. So we know that the prebiotic is doing with what we expected it to do, which is increase the numbers of those bacteria. Now, one thing that probably we're going to have to do eventually is look not only at the bacteria, but look at the metabolites. So not only look at the bacteria, but look at the products. Yeah. So that's more like a stage two or a stage three type of thing? Uh, probably stage three right now. So we're doing the stage two, which is actually more people. And um, we're actually sequencing right now. Um, and we're going to look at very specific uh, species of bacteria, specific groups. And probably stage three is going to be that. And so we're also doing the, um, the long-term studies. You know, this is permanent. I cannot tell you yes or no. Like, we haven't proven it. I, my opinion is not long-term. It's something temporary. It's like with probiotics. You know, you need to just, they go away. You keep, you need to keep taking them. Yeah. So right now, though, uh, you've not found any adverse effects from taking prebiotics whatsoever. No, you know, prebiotics, um, these are not new. This is something that has been investigated for at least 50 years. The difference is that now we have better tools to study them. So before, it was more like a black box, right? We will fit something. Something will happen. We don't know what. But, but now we know what happens in the black box. So the, inside the gut. Inside the gut. So that's the big difference. Now we can tell, yes, this is what we thought it happened, and this is how it happened, and this is why it happened, and this is what's happening now. Very fast. It's very high throughput. We're talking about... Um, when you sequence, when you do that 16 sequencing, you get about a million, two million sequences. So if you do that with 70 people, you have a lot of, a lot of data there. And uh, so we have now access to that data. It's amazing. It's a, this is like the best time to be a microbiologist. It's the best time. In what other ways, if any, are you looking at prebiotics to modify the microbiome? What do you mean other ways? Not just lactose intolerance. Oh, well, in aging. So there are a lot of studies that look into the baby's gut. 
because, um, and these are, you know, it's, it's wonderful because in the baby, when babies are born, they have a very few bacteria. They're not sterile, but they have few, very few bacteria. And then the complexity and the diversity goes up, right? Until like three years old, which is very similar to an adult. So we know that there are several studies done that. But also what we have like a, like a constant composition that can be disrupted, let's say, by disease or by antibiotic treatment, and then it goes back to normal. So this is what you have in adulthood. But then during aging, the diversity goes down again. And there are a lot of changes to the gut microbiota that are associated with cognitive outcomes, with, um, you know, other diseases like MS and, and arteriosclerosis and all of those. And, and I'm very interested in aging. Aging as a time where there are very dramatic changes to the gut microbiota. That is not only a, because of um, deterioration of the host, but also because of changes that, um, for example, people that cannot live by themselves and they have to go to a facility. So that will also have an impact on their health. So I'm interested in, in, in all those aspects, aging. So to the extent that the microbiota changes mm -hmm. over time, whether you're a kid or as an older person, mm -hmm. finding ways that prebiotics might be able to encourage the right mix mm -hmm. uh, of species. Mm -hmm. So we're not just talking about increasing the number of species and saying, okay, older people. Well, that too. That too. It's just that it's a little bit controversial. So there is like a non-written idea that a low diversity is bad and high diversity is good. Uh, I'm not sure that it's like that. It's just that most of the times that is true. When you, when, when you take antibiotics, um, you kill most of what you have in the gut. So you have very low diversity, and that's associated with disease. Um, so when you get older, diversity goes down too. And that could be associated with unhealth, unhealthy events, you know, like with disease. So I think it's both. It's increased diversity, but increase it in a way that you have a good representation of beneficial bacteria. Now, you said this has been studied for 50 years, and at least, presumably along the way we've been eating prebiotics. Mm -hmm. It isn't just things that, are, that we can manufacture in the lab. Mm -hmm. Are there ways to get prebiotics now, or are there specific foods that we should focus on that your research is informing that we should eat more of, for example? Yeah, for example, real food. <laughs> What do you mean by real food? Well, you know, I've had access to a lot of different studies. So the bottom line is that diet is one of the main modulators of your gut. So what you want to eat is a lot of veggies, a lot of fruit, a lot of so vegetables that have a lot of fiber because the fiber, those are prebiotics. If you eat a banana has a lot of inulin. That's a prebiotic. All the cruciferous vegetables, they have a lot of prebiotics. So eat real food. If you eat a burger, not the same effect. Not at all. On the contrary. Especially if it's junk food. Not really good. Not at all. So 
the bottom line, eat real food, cook at home, eat a lot of veggies. It's just common sense, I think. Let food be your medicine and medicine be, be your, your food. food. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Andrea Ascarate is a microbiologist at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. Visit us online at americanscientist.org. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us.